0: When I was just a little preacher about that big, a fellow pastor told me, he said, Don't listen to the singing. He said, Don't listen to the music. He says, Because there'll be times, he said, when you won't hardly be able to preach. And today is one of those occasions when just the, the songs, the, the singing, the lyrics have, uh, have led me to the point my heart is so full right now, I don't know if I can preach. I. Uh, I praise the Lord, praise His majesty, His wonderful holy name for the gift that He has given to us that we can sing His praises in this manner, to, to glorify Him for who He is. As you no doubt know, we're going to begin a series of messages today from the book of Jonah, a series that I have much looked forward to bringing. And uh, very much appreciate this opportunity uh, from uh, my fellow elders to uh, to stand before you this morning with uh, God's word between us. You are no doubt at least passingly familiar with with the Book of Jonah. Uh, you've got to have an idea, even if you've if you lived in a cave for the past uh, 50 years. The idea of Jonah and the whale and uh, the, the story, and you have the idea that, that Jonah was, was running away. And if, if you have this concept, this minim, minimal idea of what's going on with Jonah, you surely must ask yourself, the question has to, has to come out of this overview of why? Why? Why would anyone run away from God? Hearing from God, getting getting the word of the Lord, a message, a calling from God, and then, then running away. Running away as far and as fast as you possibly can to get away from God. Why? Well, we've got four Sundays to explore that and to consider what's going on. We've, uh, we've offered three questions to set before you for consideration during our response time this morning. What made Jonah think he could disobey and flee from God? What made Jonah think that he could run away, disobey, and leave God? Think about that. Have have an idea at the response time. I'm going to talk about popular religion this morning. And I'm going to ask you to share with us how popular religion might have impacted your life. You'll forgive me for the use of the word impacted, but it has become so so common and uh, widely acceptable that uh, I can use it too. And then finally, certainly for your consideration and sharing with uh, the, congreg- the congregation as you see fit, has the word of the Lord come to you? Have you responded in obedience? So we'll have those before us, as well as your thoughts, responses during our response time, following the message this morning. So what do you think? Is Jonah the only one who's ever run away from God? Or is this perhaps a more common practice than one might first think? Why? What would anyone expect to achieve to accomplish by running away from God? Jonah, the book of Jonah, found in the Old Testament. It's between one of the other books and the one that follows it. It's Bible. It's God's Word. It begins with the statement Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord. The book of Jonah is Bible. Just like Genesis, Isaiah, Luke, Romans, the Revelation, Jonah is sacred text. But Jonah has a problem to overcome. That problem... Is Sunday school. Sunday school has just about ruined Jonah for us. And so we're going to try to overcome this Sunday school problem. For certainly in the book of Jonah, there are incredible events that are related, some very colorful characters. And all of this makes Jonah seemingly an ideal children's story. Something for children to consider. I was talking this week with some folks and telling, uh, telling them that I was going to be bringing this series of messages from Jonah. and She told me that when she was a child... She said she hated going to big church. Now, she went on to explain to me what she meant by big church, but we all know what she means by big church. No explanation necessary. She said she hated going to big church. But her, her parents, her folks, would, would make her go, take her into big church, and she, said, and she said, so I always read the Bible. And she said, what I did, instead of paying attention or participating in church, I read Jonah. Over and over and over again, I just read the book of Jonah. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm preaching from Jonah in the coming weeks, but this is not your children's Jonah. The incredible events, these colorful characters are a part of the canon of Scripture for a very grown-up reason. They contribute are calling to maturity in Christ. They are a part of that solid food we hear spoken of in the book of Hebrews. Solid food that is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. We look to the book of Jonah this month. For it is God's word to God's people that we might grow up that we might mature in Christ for it is in Jonah as throughout scripture God is making himself known to his people a marvelously wonderful blessing in itself God making himself known As he truly is. We read then, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1, the book of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Those of you that know my teaching and preaching know that I'm all about context. So we need to to get the setting here. And the setting is probably 7th or 8th century B.C., we can, uh, we can set it, um, oh, let's, let's just call it 700 B.C., give or take, right? It, it's close. Jonah, a fellow that lives in the northern kingdom of Israel, the divided kingdom, is now the northern half where Jonah lives, an inconsequential little <clears throat> country on the world stage of that day. Nineveh, a big city located on the northern border of what we know as present-day Iraq. And Nineveh is the capital city of what was to become the Assyrian Empire. Even in Jonah's day, now probably in Jonah's day, the Assyrian Empire has not, has not spread as it, as it would, but Nineveh already has a reputation throughout that part of the world as being one nasty city. These are mean, hateful, straight-razor-toting folks. This is not the place you want to be. It's not polite society. They do things, and history has recorded, things that I'm not going to tell you about this morning But these things were common practice. This is what the the Ninevites were known for. And this, this place, this evil place, these, these nasty, mean, hateful people is where God wants Jonah to go. Not only to go, but to go there and preach to them God's wrath against their sin. And so... God gives this calling to Jonah. And the scriptures tell us that the response is, but Jonah. Only one T. But the idea is still there. But Jonah. The will of man inclined to thwart the will of God. Familiar enough. Jonah has his own ideas about how how God operates. He has his own ideas about who God is and who he is in relationship to God. The popular religion of that day, what everybody believed, was that gods were here and gods were there, and you didn't necessarily have the same God I had. I mean, you know, religion was a matter of personal opinion. I'm talking about back then. And so, so God was a little g. And in this place, this country, this land had their God. And this one over here had their God. And it seems that Jonah had bought into what was popular religion of that day. Because Jonah believes... That he can go to Tarshish and God won't be there. God will have no power over him. And because God won't be there and God will have no power over him, then he is free, right? He is relieved of the burden, he's relieved of the responsibility for those nasty people in Nineveh. How often, how often are we. But, Jonah's, the word of the Lord has certainly come to us, has it not? We have God's word that we, we hold in our hand that we can open and read. Unlike, unlike the, the populations of the centuries, it's word that has come to us, the word of the Lord has come to us. But, George, but Jane, but I have my own plans my own goals, my own desire, but my will. So in many senses, many ways, we can, we can feel for Jonah, can't we? We can kind of relate to him and, and, and feel for where he's at. For after all, this is his book of the Bible, right? Wrong. This is God's book. And the book of Jonah, and it's okay to have it named Jonah, help you find it, but actually the name of the book should be God. The Lord. This is his book of the Bible. This is where he is making himself known. He is making himself known for who he truly is. So while we we feel for Jonah, we can relate to Jonah. Do you feel for God? We find ourselves far more inclined to, to want God to, you know, ease up. We want God to conform to our expectations. Why does God have to be such a hard taskmaster? Isn't Is Nineveh really Jonah's problem? If Jonah doesn't want to go, why make him? There's got to be others who are more willing, right? Or maybe God could just nuke the plague or just send a famine or a plague or something. Verse four of chapter one continues. Don't you love it? Huh? But you love those contract, those uh, uh, conjunctions. thank you those connecting words, and of course, of course, but is a transitional word, but is the seesaw, right, it's the, what do you call the fulcrum, did I get that one right, (laughs) yes, but is the seesaw, it turns things around, but the Lord, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to to his god and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them but jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep so the captain came and said to him why do you what do you mean you sleeper arise call out to your God, perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So it, is, it appears that God does in fact act miraculously here to accomplish his purpose. Perhaps he didn't nuke the place or send a famine. Or, but he's still working through Jonah. Miraculously, he sends this, uh, this tumult, it's a good word, tumult, on the sea. The wind and the sea, the waves, they are obedient. They do as God commands. The ship's crew responds appropriately in fear. And in that fear, they appeal to the only place they know that might have some control over the situation. Each cried out to his God. It's a shame they didn't have one of those 1,000-horsepower marine diesels, right? Surely if they would have had one of those 1,000-horsepower marine diesels, they could have made it to shore if they had had a, a GPS navigation system. Could have directed them how to, Or at least a ship-to-shore radio, right? A ship-to-shore radio, they could have called the Coast Guard. Somebody, help! We're in need of help out here. Surely if they had had any one of these wonderfully, marvelous, outstanding advances of technology and science of the modern day, surely one of these things would have saved them. We can certainly look down our noses at these ignorant sailors for believing in his God. Do I have to spell it out for you? Who are the gods that you're believing in? I made a note to myself, that's enough sarcasm. So we'll leave the sarcasm behind. and We sympathize with these men in the face of this calamity. Who can influence the hand of God? Certainly not a guy sleeping below deck. We continue to read verse 7. They, that is the, the mariners, the crew of the ship, they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven Then the sea will quiet down for you, for, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not his innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Well, Jonah certainly has a powerful statement of faith. He says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. So much more that he he might have said. So much more that could have been said. But certainly, this statement of faith from Jonah brings clarity to the situation. The Lord, the God of Israel, is in control. And while the crew initially think that they will try their hand at running from god themselves they rode hard they eventually discover that their efforts are of no effect when contrary to the will of god tough lesson to but one that seems has to be learned individually not something that could be passed along from from one to another. I fear that each of us must come to that place where we realize for ourselves that when our hand, our efforts, our will is against, is contrary to, to God's will, to God's purpose, to God's plan, we're powerless. We are to no effect the crew ultimately acknowledge for you O Lord have done as it pleased you I think I think this is a really difficult thing to say I think it's really hard to come to the place that we acknowledge that we accept that we willingly concede Lord you have done as it pleased you. This statement certainly places man in po- proper perspective with God. God, you have done as it pleased you. I am in your hands, I am in your power, I am created. You are the creator. A difficult conclusion to arrive at. And yet, a conclusion that when it is arrived, when it is conceded, when it is accepted, when it is acknowledged, it is a conclusion that certainly then turns the heart of man to worship and obedience of the sovereign God. Of all creation. For this is the message of the book of God God is sovereign. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. God is sovereign over his creation. The Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He is sovereign over his creation. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. God is sovereign. The men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. In knowing God for who he truly is, knowing that he is the sovereign Lord of all creation, knowing him as he has made himself known, will always bow the knee in worship and praise and glory and adulation for the Lord our God. It's important. It's important that we know God for who he truly is. Jonah Jonah makes a number of mistakes, errors in his life, errors in, in, in how he lives and what he does. Jonah makes these mistakes because he does not know God for who he truly is. Jonah believes in God but he is not believing in the God of creation. He is not believing in the sovereign God over all creation. Jonah does not believe in God who has made himself known. Jonah willingly accepts what I call popular religion. It's popular because it's what is believed by a great majority of people, and it's religion because it's what they believe about God. We live in a society where a God created by man is far more acceptable than God who created man. That is popular religion. The God created by man, man's God, is obligated... To do as man commands. This is man's God. Man's God, as created by man, must change to fit the times, right? To accommodate the present need. Man's God must fit into the time and space allotted to him. Popular religion. This is not, this is not the God whose word came to Jonah. The Lord who speaks to Jonah is not one of the local gods created by man. He is the creator of man. He is the giver of commandments with a certain expectation of obedience. He is eternal, unchangeable, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, sovereign God. Jonah would learn this truth. And we are blessed today to be reminded through Jonah's folly and God's grace.